This is the Practical Teaching Tips Podcast. I am your host, Richard James Rogers, high school science and chemistry teacher and author of the award-winning book, The Quick Guide to Classroom Management. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode on the Practical Teaching Tips podcast. I am your host, as always, Richard James Rogers. And today, I would like to talk about how we as teachers can facilitate group presentations with our students. And in a way, this is kind of like teacher training, but for children. Because when we um, encourage small groups of students to give these presentations to the class, they are in a way acting like like trainee teachers in a way. Um, And of course, public speaking skills are in high demand. And as we see AI start to permeate many, many industries, we're going to see human skills, soft skills, like um, public speaking, becoming in even more demand, increasing demand as the years go by. So I do think it is a key skill to embed in our students of this public speaking, being able to stand up in front of an audience and describe something, explain something and present. So I'm going to give you some tips today for helping your students do these um, these group presentations. First of all, you must give your students some kind of source material to use. Don't just say to your students, um, do a presentation about this or make a class presentation about um, Henry VIII or something. If you've never taught the students that topic or they don't have any source material to refer to. Now, sometimes I will ask my students to give presentations immediately after I've taught them a topic so that they have to process the information and articulate it to others. Sometimes I'll give them a presentation in the middle so that they're kind of using or half using things they've learnt already and doing some research on some new information they will cover in class. Sometimes, but rarely, to be honest, less frequently, I will give my students a topic that they've they've never seen before, and they have to do some research and present um, to the class um, that topic. If I do choose that methodology, I will always go for something that has a very low cognitive load, simple concepts, which the students can research by themselves and pretty much from their independent research can get the grasp, get the gist of of those topics. So that's the first thing. Make sure your students have suitable source material. You could share that on Google Classroom or your school's VLE if it's Moodle, Firefly, etc., Um, It could be found in a textbook. It could be their class notes from when you've taught them previously. But make sure they have source material. Secondly, choose the groups wisely. 
Now, I always recommend the teacher choosing groups instead of students choosing groups where possible, because that way you avoid discrimination. You avoid students being isolated and left out because nobody wants them to join their group. But also because if you as the teacher know your students really well and you have that professional intelligence that I always talk about, you can strategically choose groups that have students that complement each other. For example, if you have um, a number of students in your class who are EAL, so they have English as an additional language, and you put them all together in a group, that could cause problems. It's best to spread those students out into groups where there's stronger English speakers, for example. Um, you might want to avoid students who are constantly in the same social group and get them to work with students they, they're not usually used to working to or working with. And, and why would you want to do that? Well, again, it's a key skill. It's training our students to work with people who they wouldn't normally work with, which is what we all have to do when we enter the world of, of work, when we enter the workplace. So choose the groups um, as the teacher, put students in groups. Um, the way that I like to do that is I'll line the students up and I'll give them a number, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, whatever it is. Um, and I'll get all of the number ones to be in a group, all the number twos will be in a group, and so on. You get the idea. Um, you may wish to do it randomly using the Wheel of Names, which is a great online tool I highly recommend, completely free of charge. And you just you just type in the student names um, into this, this little list, and it's a, a spinner, and it, it chooses um, a student name at random. Um, that, that's a very good tool. So, Source material, provide source material. Put students into strategic groups. Now, thirdly, and this is very much um, overlooked, I think, when teachers are assigning groups, unfortunately, and it needs to happen more often, and that is make sure every person in the group has a specific role to play. Now, if it is a group presentation, each group will have a topic or perhaps a series of subtopics that they have to go through. And I'll talk more about topics in a moment. But you want to make sure that one person is making slides that cover one topic. Another person is making slides that cover a different topic. And maybe one person is creating a quiz, a class quiz that the class can do. So make sure that there are very well-defined roles within the group. Otherwise, you're going to find that one or two people will do all the work and some people will be left behind. Um, and, that, and that really is um, coffin nails to any kind of group work when people are not clear about um, their roles within the group. So assign roles. So, so far we've had provide source material. Put students in strategic groups. Assign roles to those students in the groups. And now let's talk about topics. How would you distribute these? It might be a good idea to give each group 
a different subtopic to cover. That would be useful if you want to introduce some variety into the lesson, or if you've very recently covered a series of, let's say, three or four different subtopics, and you could have three or four different groups. If you have a larger class of 20 to 30 students, you, you might need more subtopics, um, because if it's one subtopic per group, you'd need more groups. Um, alternatively, you could ask every group to deliver the same topic. Now, the advantage of that is that when the students do actually present to the class and the rest of the students are listening, they'll be listening to the same information presented in different ways by different groups during that time. So it should help with um, memory retention um, because they're receiving that information in multiple different ways from different groups. Um, it's really up to you how you do it. Um, I found that it's easier to keep the listeners engaged when you have different topics. But with some classes where you've got exams coming up and it's a particularly important, crucial, key topic for you, it might be better to get every group to do the same topic so that you as the teacher can make sure that that's very well embedded. Okay. Now, what else do we need to be aware of with group presentations? Give the students a time limit. Um, if you don't do that, you'll find that some groups will, will take ages and ages and you won't get through all the presentations in one lesson. Um, and you'll also find without a time limit, and in many cases, a slide limit is a good idea as well. Um, you'll find that some groups don't do enough. So time limits and slide limits are a very good idea. In terms of software, I find with older students, you can really allow them to use the software that they feel most comfortable with. Now, as I'm recording this in 2024, the majority of my students, when I give them a choice, they choose Canva over Google Slides most of the time. Um, the reason is Canva is collaborative, so, so multiple people can edit the, the, um, the pictures. They're not really slides as such, but multiple people can edit them at the same time. And there's lots and lots of great templates in Canva, which students really love to use. So, so that's a great tool. Google Slides is really awesome for group collaboration. Um, I'm sure that with OneDrive as well, although I'm not very experienced with that, that, of course, classic, traditional uh, Microsoft PowerPoint is very, very good as well. If you have a smart board um, in your classroom, you may want to encourage your students to write on the board to really illustrate things. Um, or if any of your students have an iPad, they can connect that to a Meet and, and display that on the screen and draw on the, on the sketch pad as they're, as they're describing the, uh, the topic to the class. So technology is a big factor. Um, as a teacher, be vigilant about that. Um, don't just leave the students to go about their presentations um, willy-nilly and freely. As a teacher, you should be walking around the classroom and just double-checking with each group 
what technology are you using, what's your role within the group, and how many slides they're going to do, what their plan of action is, and check up on those groups. We have to be vigilant because without direction and guidance, even the older students who we think are really intelligent, really on the ball, even those very high achieving students, you'll find that they pick up misconceptions or they um, deliver things in the wrong format or in the wrong way. So we have to be vigilant about that. Now, what else? What happens when the students are actually presenting um, the slides? First of all, I would say make sure that all of the other students who are sitting and watching are actually listening. Um, you don't want to have other groups playing on their computers, editing their slides whilst another group is presenting. I think it's very important that we teach our students to show respect to the group that is presenting. So devices closed and listening, paying full attention. And if someone is distracted, if someone's talking, if someone's not listening, as a teacher, you can stop the presentation and you can say, uh, thank you, Tracy, or whatever the student's name is. I'm just waiting for one student to listen carefully. And then you pause and wait and use that good, those good classroom management, behavior management tactics to keep the listeners focused on the presentation. Another big thing that I'm um, very, um, very passionate about when students are presenting is I think the teacher should correct the students along the way because it helps everyone. So if you notice that there's a mistake on a slide or a student says something wrong in a presentation, I think it is important at that moment for the teacher to address that. Now, of course, don't embarrass the student when you do that. Um, you want to be as, as diplomatic and as praiseworthy as possible. Um, you might want to use phrases like, what you just said there, Tom, is great. I, I loved what you said about the equations and the formulae. Let's look at that magnesium um, ion again. Is that the correct formula? Who can help us? This is a good point for us to learn from. And you can turn it into a little discussion like that. Um, but it is important, any misconceptions or wrong information that is displayed to the students by other groups, the teacher should pick up on that immediately. Why? Because it's going to really reinforce those concepts for all the students in the class. If you leave it till the end, it's not going to be as effective. Now, what else? Once the groups have presented, or once each group has presented... I find it is very effective for the teacher to give feedback to that group. So what I will do is when a group has presented their slides and we've done their quiz or whatever it's activity they have for us, I'll gather all the students around me. I've made notes on my iPad and I'll talk about the pros and the cons of the presentation. I usually start with the negatives, the things to improve, because research has shown that people respond better to feedback when you start with the points for improvement 
And then after that, you follow up with the positives, the things that went really, really well. Um, and, and certainly my students who I've taught over the past 17 years now um, have all responded very well to, to that system of feedback. Um, things you should pick up on when students are presenting to the class. You should pick up on how much text there is on each slide. A common mistake that students make when they're presenting is they put too much text on each slide and it's too much to read and it immediately disengages the audience. So pick up on that. Um, wrong colours, colours which don't complement each other. You'll see students sometimes putting red text on a black background, for example, and it's very difficult to read. Um, fonts which are difficult to read, like brush script, for example, pick up on those things. Another common mistake that you'll see students make is they will read from the slides, which of course is a, is a public speaking um, cardinal sin, I guess. Um, at all times, the speakers and the group members should be looking at the audience, making eye contact. They can look back at the slide now and again as a prompt, but they should not be reading from the slide. We can all read. So I think it is important um, to reinforce that message with your students. And it's going to take several attempts at presenting for students to, to get this idea that they should be looking at the audience and engaging with the audience. Um, so, so that's a big one, not reading from the slides. Um, and another one is when writing is too small as well. Um, often you'll find that font sizes are too small on the slides and, and the audience can't read them. So, so that's another one, making text big, making text clear, not too much text on each slide, don't read from the slide, get the colours correct. And also as well, graphics. Graphics are so crucial for slide presentations and yet so many students don't utilise them properly. Um, and there's so many great tools now. Canva's one of them. In PowerPoint, um, it has an AI kind of assistant now with PowerPoint where all you have to do is type the text and you click on design ideas and, and PowerPoint even gives you this, these beautiful design templates. So there's no excuse now for students not to include good images and good graphics on their slides. Of course, if images have been sourced from the internet, make sure your students reference those images and say where they've got them from. Um, and I think really by doing this, we're training our students in the key skill of public speaking. Um, and when those students are working for different companies or if they run their own businesses, they're going to have to do some presentations at some point. And um, I really enjoy doing this with students, I have to say. I really, really enjoy facilitating the group presentation um, activities with my students because I know that I'm giving them the opportunity to build those crucial key skills of public speaking and presenting. Um, and it's a great feeling as a teacher when you can really have a big impact on your students in that way. 
Beyond all of that, what I would say is that encourage your students to utilize the latest educational technology if they can. Now, I did mention quizzes before. Um, nowadays, we have lots of live quiz apps. I'm a massive fan of this. In fact, one of my most popular blog posts is called Five Awesome Live Quiz Apps, I think it's called, uh, for educators. I will link um, to that blog post in the show notes. Um, it, it gets lots of traffic every day, that one. Um, and of course, live quizzes like Quizlet, Blookit, Kahoot is, is very good. Uh, Rolljack, iSpring, Quizmaker, Quizzes. These are all systems that the students can use to create a quiz which summarizes the presentation. Everyone in the classroom can get involved and, it, and that way it's more interactive. You don't have 30 minutes or an hour of students just sat there watching slide presentations, which of course can be, uh, can be very disengaging for those students. So very, very important that we, um, that we bear all of these things in mind. Now, I have to admit, I've not made any notes prior to making today's podcast episode. Um, so I don't have the, the kind of usual summary that I would normally have. Um, but please do feel free to share this podcast episode with others. Replay this to yourself many times if you need to, to, to get the crucial key points. Um, and everything I've said today has come from many, many years of experience of doing this with students. Um, even back in the early days when I was a trainee teacher, I can remember my mentor from Bangor University, um, one of the professors there, coming to see me and watch my lesson um, when I was teaching at a school in North Wales. And in that lesson, back in 2006 now, um, the students were presenting to the class. So it's a very good legacy technique. My professor was very impressed with that particular lesson. And I do think that it's um, very good for encouraging group collaboration, teamwork, public speaking, presentation skills, oracy, um, which, which of course is just going to increase in demand as the world becomes more data-centric. Um, the power of voice is becoming... Um, is becoming ever more powerful, I guess, as we enter um, as we enter 2024, 2025, and beyond that as well. So thank you, everybody. I do hope that this was a useful podcast episode today. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email me at info at richardjamesrogers.com. Once again, that's info at richardjamesrogers.com. Um, look for me on Google. I'm, I'm very Googleable. Um, just type in Richard James Rogers on Google and you'll find all my social media there as well where you can, you can reach out to me. Um, and please do check out my blog for teachers as well. There are hundreds and hundreds of blog posts on there now. Um, I've been posting on there since 2015. Loads of practical teaching tips on there for you to read, print, share with others. You have my permission to do that because I own the copyright to it all. Um, and that's at richardjamesrogers.com. Once again, richardjamesrogers.com. And if you're looking for a book 
which contains a great um, collection of practical teaching tips. Um, why not check out my award-winning, best-selling book for teachers, which is called The Quick Guide to Classroom Management, 45 Secrets That All High School Teachers Need to Know. And that's available at Blackwell's, Walmart, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, every good retailer, book depository, they all stock that book. So, so check that out. The Amazon link to that book is in the show notes. So thank you, everybody. Until next time, bye-bye for now.